0: As a baby boomer, I think it's very important for me to explain to younger generations the point and purpose of all the precautions you're being asked to take in this moment of crisis. Namely me, my health, my safety, which are all important because they involve me, a baby boomer. We boomers have given a great deal to America. It was we who began the sexual revolution so your parents could enjoy a freer, more expansive sexual life ultimately leading to divorce and all those stepfathers who came and went through your house, while we kept telling you that everything was really great and we were still a family, so you wouldn't express your feelings of depression and trauma and thus create responsibilities for the person who mattered most, namely me, a baby boomer. It was also we boomers who took the drug culture mainstream so that the use of mind-expanding substances wouldn't be restricted just to junkies and other junkies. But ordinary people like you and your late brother could also experience the beautiful hallucinations and deepening consciousness that help you forget about the fact you're living on the street. It was also we boomers who put an end to all that silly faith and patriotism so you wouldn't have to keep jumping to your feet to say the Pledge of Allegiance or dropping to your knees to pray to God and could instead remain comfortably in your chair while atheist communists took over the country and destroyed everything you never even knew you held dear. So now you may ask, if you baby boomers were given everything and are leaving us with little more than a therapy bill and a box of melbatose why shouldn't we limit our why should we limit our activities to protect you from illness? And the answer is, if we don't care for the generations that come before and the generations that come after, the world cannot survive in prosperity and freedom. So for your own sake, don't be selfish like me, a baby boomer. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven show hunky donkey, life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky Ship-shaped, dipsy topsy the world is a-biddy-zing, it's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray, oh, hooray. One of the truly amazing phenomena we're watching in this rather incredible moment are the attacks from the left on Donald Trump for not being authoritarian enough. Do more, they keep saying to him. Send in the army. Override the authority of the states. I'm old enough to remember when lefties were telling us that Trump's authoritarian tendencies were a terrible danger to us all. Remember Danny Deutsch on MSNBC when he said of Trump, this is a quote, There's so many stunning parallels to what Hitler was doing in the early phase. I'm not saying Trump is going to slaughter six million Jews, but ranging from the fake news parallels to the seizing of new powers, the Reichstag in 33 versus Trump's non-existent national emergencies. And he went on and on. The reference to the Reichstag is, of course, a reference to the burning of the German and German parliament building in 1933. They still don't know who actually did that, whether it was the Nazis or some crazy communist guy. But the point is, Hitler used the event to seize emergency powers and essentially establish His dictatorship. And yet, here we are. It's a national emergency, and not only has Trump not declared martial law or canceled the next election, but it's suddenly lefties like Bernie Sanders and Bill de Blasio who are bemoaning the fact that he hasn't used the opportunity to seize factories and force businesses to close and override the governance of the states. They're upset that he's keeping our federalist system in place, that system that helps preserve our freedoms by keeping government power local. Strangely, I'm not hearing a lot of apologies to Trump when it turns out he's not a fascist. Oh, gee, we got you wrong, Donald. (laughs) MSNBC should be saying. Maybe an hysteric know-nothing like Danny Deutsch shouldn't be on television spreading lies like that. I mean, there's a place for everyone, and maybe Deutsch's place would be sitting on the last stool of an empty bar, waiting for the bartender to tell him it's time to stop talking about Hitler and toddle on home. Maybe we shouldn't invite guys like that on cable TV so much, but should just stick to the real defenders of freedom like Michael Avenatti and James Comey and John Brennan and other disgraceful corruptos. Justin Trudeau, up in Canada, he closed the borders yesterday. But I didn't hear Justin mention the fact that maybe it turns out Trump was right about the need for a nation to maintain border security. Likewise, when Germany closed its borders, I didn't hear any of that from Angela Merkel. But I do hear some people, not all, but a goodly number, continuing. Reckless and unrestrained attacks on the president as he tries to get an unprecedented and dangerous event under control. I'm not talking about questioning this step or that step or discussing various possibilities. It's a free country. You don't have to agree with Trump. You don't even have to like the man. I'm talking about the relentless, nonsensical insult slinging about a president who may sometimes be right and sometimes wrong, but who has damaged our essential freedoms not one little bit, not one as opposed to our last president with his corrupt IRS, FBI, and CIA leadership, let loose to abuse their powers for political control. This is a wonderful time to remember the wisdom of Socrates, namely to know that we know nothing and to accept that even our leaders really know nothing and our experts, they have to learn as they go. When this is over, we'll be able to assess, but right now we need a vaccine for Trump derangement syndrome almost as much as for the Chinese Flu. And I will tell you what I mean in a moment. But first, let us talk about ZipRecruiter. You know, when that guy comes in and he's sneezing and he's shaking everybody's hand, he's putting his hands on the machinery and you say, why didn't we use ZipRecruiter? So we'd have smarter employees. No matter how hard you work, you can never do it all with ju- just by yourself. You have to hire people. It's just a sad fact of life. You may have heard of a COO by the name of Dylan Miskowitz. He's a real business owner who struggled with finding the right fit for his director of coffee role until he turned to ZipRecruiter. A lot has happened since he made his first hire with ZipRecruiter. His organic coffee business, Cafe Altura, grew. Cafe Altura's distribution increased and they expanded their product offerings. Cafe Altura grew so much that Dylan had to hire a junior roaster and a second director of coffee. How did he do it? You guessed it. He went to ziprecruiter.com slash clavin, because that's where you can try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Claven. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So see for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier, from coffee roaster to construction worker to CMO, to try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com/slash Claven. Don't hire bums who don't even know how to spell Claven. <laughs>
1: b-a-n there are no
0: easy things that's it go to ziprecruiter.com slash k-l-a-v-a-n ziprecruiter.com slash claven ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire tomorrow is the mailbag should be interesting where you're wherever you're hunkered down wherever you haven't left <gasps> your building <laughs> yeah! if you want to sound like that get your mailbag questions in now if you are a subscriber you must be a subscriber to dailywire.com. If you are a subscriber, you can ask me anything you want. You can ask about religion. You can ask about your personal life. You can ask about politics. And all my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Possibly for the better, possibly not. You have to tune in tomorrow to find out. All right. I opened kidding uh, around about the boomers, but it really is true that this is a moment to remember what the boomers forgot. We spent all your money because we didn't care about the future, we got rid of all the traditions. Because we didn't care about the past, we screwed up everything. Don't be like us, right? Don't be like the boomers. Now, sometimes, you know, I know that I, I sometimes wish the boomer generation could disappear without taking me with them. But they can't, and they're your grandfather and your mother, and they're somebody else's grandfather and mother, and that's the whole point. In fact, uh, you know, play play a little bit of this Max and Mel Brooks thing that Mel Brooks put out this uh, thing today.
2: Hi, I'm Max Brooks. I'm 47 years old.
1: This is my dad, Mel Brooks. Hi, Dad. He's 93. If I get the coronavirus, I'll probably be okay. But if I
3: give it to him, he could give it to Carl Reiner, who could give it to Dick Van Dyke. And before I know it, I've wiped out a whole generation of comedic legends. When it comes to coronavirus, I have to think about who I can infect. And so should you. So practice social distancing. Avoid crowds. Wash your hands.
0: All right. So it's Mel Brooks stuck behind a door banging on the window. This is a good time. This is a good time for us to become better toward each other. And it really is. It is it is funny that it's the baby boomers who are asking it of you. But I think it is really, really important for us to remember that we are all taking care of each other and to show people what America looks like when we do that because they haven't seen it in quite some while. All right. You know, uh, it's interesting. Yesterday, um, yesterday we played the audio of the v- British guy saying why they hadn't taken the precautions that the rest of Europe was taking, and they basically said, you know, we th- we want to wait, we want hit- to wait till this hits the peak, we want to see if this what the spread is going to be like because we don't believe that people will keep these social distancing restrictions in place. Well, it turns out that was not so tickety boo because. <laughs> They just sent They sent a report to us in America, the British Center report to us in America, where they had calculated how many people were going to die. And it turned out that it was really an unacceptable number. And they said it could be as many as 2 million, 2.2 2 million people in the United States. Now, obviously that's a worst case scenario, but that meant that Trump came out and he started with a whole new way of talking about what it, we are going to do with whole new restrictions. Uh, they haven't closed, um, In Britain, they have new restrictions. They haven't closed the schools yet. But Trump came out and said, look, this is we have to take this very seriously. He said, in his words, it's bad. And he said this could last uh, until until the summer. This is cut number nine.
2: It seems to me that if we do a really good job, uh, we'll not only hold the death down to a a level that is uh, much lower than the other way, had we not done a good job, uh, but People are talking about July, August, something like that. So it could be right in that period of time where it I say wash, it washes through. Other people don't like that term, but where it washes through.
0: So Tony Fauci was pointed out, the doctor uh, pointed out, that that didn't mean that these restrictions were necessarily going to stay in place. Until July or August, they're experimenting with different things. They're trying different things. They understand that people, especially young people, are going to want to get out. And what they're trying to do is flatten that peak and flatten the peak and hope that it goes into the summer when, you know, usually the warmer weather these kind of things get better, especially the lung diseases that are the things that frequently kill people. And so that's that's what they're hoping for. That's what they're doing. New restrictions, new ways of, t- of telling people don't gather in more than in groups of more than 10. Uh, I like the fact that at the podium they were like <laughs> 12 people standing there very close together. But look, you know, they're going to have to do what they have to do. And that nothing nothing is going to be achieved by being hysterical and making sure that every little petty thing is right. You just kind of want to be a little bit more careful than you are. Stay off the beaches because we see the people. You know, w- when you see young people at, at spring break and they go and they gather on the beaches and it, hopefully it's not going to damage them. Hopefully it's not going to be as dangerous for them as it is for old folks like me. Because remember this, this is the, these are the three words you want. your mind. save the Claven. This is what you want. Because once I'm gone, you're done, right? I mean, that is just the long, you know, the big sleep. It's the long Clavenless weekend. You do not want that to happen when you are deprived of that kind of wisdom, you're in, in trouble. And you know, I see that blonde girl on Twitter licking the toilet in the plane. Although that did give me some strange fantasies for a while, but Never mind. You, we don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> the thing is, you know, I see that and I do understand that. I do understand that young people want to be young people. But, you know, this is a temporary condition where you have to maybe dial it back a little bit. Not to say not just to save your grandparents or your father or your mother, but to save the guy next to you and not give it to him where he takes it to the next old person there. And it could eventually get back to me. And that's what we're trying to all trying to avoid. And of course, the other thing is the economy. And this is the thing that, you know, everybody wants to balance. But I think Trump has got the right take on this now. You know, he was he was trying to save the economy for a while because like everybody else, he didn't know. This is the thing people don't know. He didn't know this was going to be uh, the, the big one. So here he is. And he said uh, he says, now, look, there could be a recession. This is a cut ten.
2: Stock market took another hit today. Is the U.S. economy heading into a recession? Well, it may be. We're not thinking in terms of recession. We're thinking in terms of the virus. Once we stop, I think there's a tremendous pent-up demand, both in terms of the stock market and in terms of the economy. And once this goes away, once it uh, goes through, and we're done with it, I think you're going to see a tremendous, a tremendous
0: surge. And this is this is really important. And and it is important that he keeps optimistic. He's an optimistic guy. He brought that optimism optimism to business before and to the market before and it was a really good thing because you know being a cheerleader you know they talk about uh, animal energies in the in business um, animal spirits in business and he's very smart about that he understands that when you're cheerleading business when the president is behind business businessmen take more risks they take more risks, they create more jobs so he's waiting for it to get back and, and when they asked him what he's going to do about the economy he has said there's going to be a he's looking for like an 850 billion dollar stimulus. Uh, but he says the best thing for the stock market is to deal with the crisis. Cut 11.
1: Stocks continue to fall today. with the White House support negative rates? The best risks?
2: thing I can do for the stock market is we have to get through this crisis. That's what I can do. That's the best thing we can do. That's what I think about. Uh, once, uh, once this virus is gone, uh, I think you're going to have a stock market like nobody's ever seen before.
0: So this is as compared to the left-wing New York Times. And this is important because I want to point out where the gestures of authoritarianism are coming from the They're failing actually, New York
2: Times, which is like so
0: bad. <laughs> They're coming from our friends on the left. Have we got Knucklehead Row? Is it? Can you grab Knucklehead Row? Because we're going to take a trip over to the Knucklehead Row uh, at the op-ed section of the New York Times, where all their very uh, highly credentialed and well-dressed uh, knuckleheads are uh, gathered. But they, but they had an editorial it says, st- "Stop!" I, I love this tone. From there's always a tone in the left. Stop saying that everything is under control. It isn't. That's the headline. It should have been in red, jagged letters. Stop saying everything. It says tackling the pandemic will require a new collective way of thinking about public health and society as a whole. You got that word in there, right? Collective. During World War II, the American government raised corporate and personal income taxes, pushed the business community onto a wartime footing, drafted millions into the military or civilian defense forces, rationed civilian goods in service of military goals and drastically reorganized society by offering jobs to women in my minorities minorities <laughs> have long been excluded from them. The society that emerged from the war was different, stronger than the wind that went into it. I mean, this is such nonsense. The, all the authoritarianism comes out on the left. Look at this. This is a report from NBC News, cut seven. So there will be food. There's not a reason to sock up. Just come back tomorrow. In Maryland today,
3: trucks loaded with supplies headed to a slammed Costco. The same in Florida. Pinched public stores getting resupplied. In California, the Northgate-Gonzalez market, one of many shoppers now opening early just for older shoppers 65 and up. We're going to have exclusive for seniors. And tonight at an Aldi, there is enough toilet paper. (laughs)
0: <laughs> See, yay, capitalism. Amazon is hiring people because they've got the idea of delivering from afar, right? Everybody's getting stuff from Amazon. See, the resources that take us into emergencies the resources that took us into World War II that made us so mighty when we turned our attention, finally, to World War II, those resources are created by free markets and capitalism. We go into an emergency and yes, we take emergency measures, but we wouldn't have the money to do that with if we didn't have the free market capitalism, if we had been operating collectively all the time, if we'd been hiring on the basis of gender and race instead of on the basis of competence and ability, all the time, we wouldn't have the powerhouse economy that keeps us afloat in times like this? The answers, see, this is the thing. You know, I always talk about the fact that Marx, because he didn't understand humanity, he left humanity out of all his calculations. He got everything wrong. He kept saying capitalism was going to crash and all the money was going to gather in one place. And that does happen, except human creativity deals with it. Human creativity finds a way to spread the wealth, to break the monopolies that Marx said were going to take over everything. Where it's socialism, where all the people are gathered, all the power is gathered in one place. That's the place that falls apart. And it's going to be human creativity, the thing that Marx didn't calculate at all, that is going to solve this problem. I mean, if the virus thinks it's going to take out humanity, it doesn't even know who it's dealing with. The answers are going to come out of free places where people can complain, where people can argue, where people can discuss. It's not going to come out of places like China where people are shut down, where this virus spread because people were silenced. It's not going to come out of places where people are silenced and people have to act collectively and there's one big hive mind it's going to come out of people arguing with each other and dealing. You know, you watch. Look, I, I'm looking toward Israel, where all our f- friends, the Jews, are, have come up with a vaccine. You're looking to Britain, and our 51st state, to share information with us about what's working and what's not working. We're using all the information, putting all that information together. In order to find the answers, and that's the way it's going to happen. This idea that we shouldn't let a crisis go to waste, and is is an idea that goes back to Marx. That somehow, somehow, it is collectivism, it's oneness, it's unity, it's systems. That was the word you heard Bernie Sanders. Our health care system doesn't work because we don't have a system. Our health care system is better than anybody else's because we don't have a system. Because we have a bunch of people arguing and fixing things right now, led by the fixer in chief, Donald Trump. A businessman, and that's going to work out well, I think. All right. But talking about business, there are many, many reasons to go to rockauto.com. But first and foremost, it is your ability to say rockauto.com because it's just so much fun to say. When your car needs a part, instead of getting in your car and sitting there because it's not going anywhere because it needs a part, go to your computer and say rockauto.com. And of course, your computer will automatically, because it's listening to you all the time, will automatically go to rockauto.com where you can get your parts for your car. And so much easier, it's so much easier than going to the store and asking somebody who doesn't know any more than you do. Rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. They have everything from engine control modules, which I don't even know what they are, to tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, and whether it's for an old car, a new car, Anything you need is there at rockauto.com, and they always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you and so they know you know how to spell Clavin? There are no <laughs> easy. Things. There are no ease in Clavin. I just make it look this easy. It's K L A V A N. So my favorite part of Trump's press conference was uh, this is cut number eight. I, uh, this was the part I love best about the press conference. Thank you very. much. Mr. President, the other day you said that you were not responsible for the testing shortfall. Very simple question. Does the buck stop with you? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis?
2: I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. And it started with the fact that we kept a very highly infected country, despite all of the even the professionals uh, saying, no, it's too early to do that. We were very, very early with respect to China.
0: And by the way, you know, first of all, I, uh, what what I love about this is that, as I keep saying, in a crisis, everybody's character remains the same, but it is comes out, and you find how that character can adapt to. The crisis. I love Trump giving himself a ten; his character hasn't changed at all. But you know, I mean, we're all we're not going to be able to know until this is over whether he's done a, a good job or a bad job or a great job or or what. We really don't know. But but Fauci, Tony Fauci said to the CDC and Trump were not responsible for the testing, the the slowness of getting testing underway. There were a lot of problems with that. A lot of the tests that they tried to put together didn't work. Uh, And and basically he's been saying that, you know, uh, Trump has done some very good things, including including closing the borders. Do we have that cut?
2: The president's decision to to essentially have a major blocking of, of travel from China that already had an effect of not seeding Mm -hmm. the way in Europe. Italy didn't do that, and and my I feel so badly because I have so many friends Mm -hmm. there. They're getting hit hard. What we're doing now with the other travel restrictions, so you block infections from coming in, and then within is when you have containment and mitigation. And that's the reason why the kinds of things we're doing that may seem like an overreaction will keep us away from that worst-case scenario.
0: You know, I want to give props to for a minute to a guy I don't often give props to, Joe Scarborough, because Joe Scarborough watched this press conference. And there's no question, as this thing has gone on, I always say this about Trump, that he learns on the job and that he changes and learns. And that's a lot different than a lot of people in our media who just keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping it will work. A lot of people... Like, for instance, Bernie Sanders, who's been saying the same thing since the Rosenbergs were executed. He's been saying the same thing and he hasn't learned anything where Trump. You watch him. He changes over time. So as this thing developed, as it became more serious, as his natural uh, animal spirits and optimism were overcome by the facts on the ground, he changed. And Joe Scar- Scarborough, I have to hand it to him. He noticed
3: the president was sober. Uh, he, he actually he did what a president's supposed to do. He delivered The bad news, this was a president even uh, talking about saying to his son when asked how how it was, he said, it's bad. It's bad. Hopefully we can avoid the worst case scenarios. The president's doing what at least I have uh, said, and I think a lot of other people have said uh, he should be doing from the very beginning. And that is tell the truth. Give Americans the worst case scenario. They can handle it and start from there. If you've watched the show for more than 10 minutes over the past three and a half years, you understand we're critical of just about everything the president does. But Mika, uh, as John Meacham said, I'm going to I'm going to pull out uh, John's World War Two analogy and us being in a position that Britain was. uh, We are all joined together.
0: You know, this is the thing. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Scarborough, you don't have to like the president. Nobody is a free country. You don't have to agree with the president. You can be a lefty. Again, all those things are fine. But slathering, crazy uh, insult slinging at a, at a moment like this really is unpatriotic. It's, again, this is not saying you can't criticize him, not saying you have to like him, not saying you have to vote for him. None of that. But it just gets crazy. It gets too crazy. ABC is running things they, after the press conference. They just can't stop scoring points on him in, a, in what is really a dishonest way. Listen to this.
1: The confusing messages from the administration continued. The New York Times reporting that President Trump stunned some of the nation's governors in a conference call, telling them they should not wait for the federal government's help with respirators, ventilators, and other critical life-saving equipment, telling them they should, quote, try getting it yourselves.
0: That was a lie. It was a lie in both the headlines of The New York Times and it was a lie on the headlines in The Washington Post. Trump didn't say try getting it yourself. He said it would be better, faster, if you first try getting it yourself. But we're here if that doesn't work out. That is what he said. Those are not his exact words, but that was the sentiment of what he said. Try getting it yourself. It's easier at the point of purchase, but we will back you up if you have a problem. That is the right thing to do. And it keeps the sovereignty of the states alive in a crisis, which is a very important thing because it's easy. If if Donald Trump were who they said he was all this time, if they kept telling us he he was the person, the authoritarian they said he was all this time, he wouldn't have done that. And the, that thing in the Washington Post was a lie. And the other lie that keeps going around was that Trump uh, dissolved. The pandemic response office at the CDC. This thing has gone around. Tim Morrison, a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, a former senior director for counterproliferation and biodefense on the National Security Council, he wrote a piece in the that they did published in the Washington Post, good for them, said no. After spreading this lie forever, though, I have to say, the White House didn't dissolve its pandemic response office. I was there. And he said it has been alleged by multiple officials of the Obama administration, including in the Post, that the president and his then national security advisor, John Bolton, dissolved the office at the White House in charge of pandemic preparedness because I led the very directorate, assigned that mission, the counterproliferation and biodefense office for a year and then handed it off to another official. I know the charge is specious. It's the middle of a worldwide health emergency. It's not the time to be making tendentious accusations. First of all, anyone who can use the word specious and tendentious in the same op-ed is doing great. He says the counter-proliferation and biodefense director... Directorate was the result of consolidating three directorates into one, given the obvious overlap between arms control and nonproliferation, weapons of mass destruction and terrorism, global health and biodefense. It is this reorganization that critics have misconstrued or intentionally misrepresented, if anything, the combined directorate was stronger because related expertise could be commingled. So one good thing would be stop lying. Stop lying about what the president says. Stop hearing what you want to hear. Stop cutting him off. Stop using the old. I mean, this thing with the CDC, canceling the CDC is as bad as there are good people on both sides. That lie. Stop. You know, it's time to stop. It's time. We need the information. We need you. New York Times and Washington Post to tell us the truth in the same way you're saying we need Trump to tell the truth, which I also agree with. You know, but instead you get guys like Paul Krugman, who hasn't told the truth. And I don't, it must be 50 years at this point. He put out a thing showing that the stock market had crashed, stock market did terribly yesterday and it's going to do, they're going to be bad days. Uh, like Trump himself said, he said, economists, myself included, often make a point of saying that the stock market is not the economy, which it isn't. That's the point he's been making every time Trump bra- brags about the stock market. He says it's not the economy. The economy's also been doing great which Paul Krugman never said would never happen, but that's OK. So he was lying about that. But he says he says it is, however, pretty much the Trump presidency. Take away his magic talisman and there's nothing left. Well, that's what we're going to find out now. And when we find out that he's actually done a good job, which is what I think we're going to actually find out. I hope Paul Krugman is another guy who can end up on a bar stool in an empty bar being sent home after the day saying, stop talking about the depression, Krugman, and go on home. Anthony Scaramucci. I mean, why is this guy still on TV? Here's here's what he's talking about when he talks about the economy.
3: Donald Trump is the virus. At the end of the day, what he has done, is he's, he's affected and replicated through the executive branch, and he's destroyed the crisis management <sighs> elements of the executive branch that we need right now, not only here in the United States, but globally. And so the, the real tragedy of all this is that the Federal Reserve can only do so much to help the markets. You're going to need concomitant fiscal stimulus here and literally handing out free money to people to help them afford their rent, help them pay their waiters and waitresses in their closed restaurants. And again, it's a, it's a national tragedy born from one person. But you have to remember, Trump's uh, the president's staff is afraid of him. Um, and so they don't like dealing with them and they're trying to make something that's very insane, which is President Trump soundstained.
0: I mean, really, the the floor should just open up under him and swallow him. It's not the time. It's not the time. It's time to stop. It is time to stop. Again, not to stop criticism, not to stop disliking Trump, not to stop pushing your political agenda just with that nonsense. Here's also, uh, what's his name? James Clyburn, the whip who saved Biden's career the other day. He had this to say about uh, Trump.
2: During his State of the Union address, Trump told 31 lies. Fully half of those lies, the Republican side of the house standing up and cheering. they knew that was not true, but they cheered him on. I really believe that um, the people of Germany knew Hitler was lying, but they cheered him on. And before they knew it, they no longer had a chancellor, but a dictator. I... Anything that's happened before can happen again.
1: You are too smart to be acting this dumb.
0: (laughs) All I'm saying is he's got his emergency, he's got his Reichstag fire, and all I see is him doing the best he can. Again, don't have to like him, don't have to stop criticizing him, do have to stop with the nonsense, with the hate, because that's just you. That's just a revelation of your character. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump, who I think is gonna come out of this looking pretty good, which will be really interesting to see what they do then. All right, NetSuite. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tecovis all have in common? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Why? Because operating a business without knowing what your numbers are is like driving a car without a dashboard. You don't know where you're going. You don't know if anything's going wrong. You don't know what's going right. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you have to have the right tools. If you want to take your company from 2 million to 10 million or 10 million to hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools to turbocharge your Growth With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place, right from your phone or computer. NetSuite will give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Six Ways to Run a More Profitable Business at netsuite.com/claven. That's netsuite.com/claven. Netsuite.com/claven. If you want to know how to run your business, you have to know how to spell claven. No also, here is some good news. If you if you are still alive, you can use the promo code claven and get 10% off any Daily Wire membership plan. And if you're not a member, you are missing all the best stuff, including tomorrow's mailbag, where you want to be if you have problems. If you don't have problems, you don't need it. But if you do have problems, you want to sound just like that when I solve them all. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of The Ben Shapiro Show. Select bonus content access to the mailbag, and more. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into exclusive live online Q&A discussions with me, Ben, Matt Walsh, and sometimes Michael Knowles. I, you know, if you pay more, I don't think you have to have those. Plus, Daily Wire writers and special guests. And don't forget, you'll also get the greatest of all beverage vessels here it is, the Leftist Tears tumbler. You know it. You love it. All that plus 10% off when using promo code CLAVEN. Don't hesitate. Get yourself over to dailywire.com and get on this fantastic deal today. But it's only there if you know how to spell CLAVEN. If at the end of the show you don't know how to spell CLAVEN, there is something terribly, terribly wrong. We got Jenna Ellis coming right up. We got to take a break from Facebook and YouTube. Come over to dailywire.com and take advantage of that deal and subscribe. Right. Well, one of the things, the worst things about social distancing is I don't get to see Jenna Ellis enough, you know, her and you love her. She is now, I, I assume she's now running the government. <laughs> Donald Trump and uh, Vice President Mensch are, you know, doing what they have to do to deal with this crisis. Jenna she is a constitutional law attorney. She's a senior legal advisor to the Trump campaign. Uh, her book, that's, that's no, is that still her, is this little thing outdated that I'm reading off? Doesn't she have a new, uh, well, let her tell us, but her book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, A Guide for Christians to Understand America's Current Constitutional Crisis is out now. Jenna, you there?
1: I am so great to not see you, but at least hear you, Drew. So, you <laughs> just, know, just, I would, I would elbow bump you from, you know, across the country.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, just don't, don't breathe on you. me. Don't, don't, I'm all old. Don't breathe on me. Uh, what, what is your new title now?
1: Yeah, I'm the senior legal advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign and an attorney to the
0: president. Okay. So are you involved? I mean, are you, are you close enough uh, to watch what's going on uh, in the White House?
1: I'm. I, you know, I don't work for the administration. I work with the, the campaign, right. and obviously, we're taking all of the guidance uh, from the White House, and uh, obviously, taking that very seriously. But, um, but you know, but I talk to the president frequently, and uh, you know, it's it's been really amazing to see the absolute hypocrisy and hatred coming from the media, Drew. And I just I have to comment on this real quick because it's so it's so insane. Because first, for the first three years. They were calling Trump the worst dictator ever. And, oh, my gosh, we have, you know, com- the comparisons, the false comparisons to Hitler, all this stuff that they're still doing. And now suddenly the coronavirus crisis occurs and they're blaming him for not doing enough and actually staying within the parameters of the executive branch of the federal government and deferring to state leadership like the president of the United States is supposed to, leading the country, declaring a national emergency, but saying, you know, state and local Ah, uh, communities need to respond efficiently and and in the best interest of their own community and what's happening on the ground. And so suddenly now he's not dictator enough for them. But you know, so it's it's completely yeah. hypocritical. It's totally ridiculous. But he has such a wonderful focus and emphasis on leadership. I mean, I just talked to him uh, yesterday. He's in you know a really great spirit in terms of saying America is going to get through this. Uh, very positive. Uh, he and the vice president. I just I respect both of them so much.
0: You know, it's nice. It is nice to hear you say that, because I was just talking about the fact that while we're looking for a vaccine for the coronavirus, I think we need a vaccine for Trump derangement syndrome, because it is it really, you know, again, it's a free country and people can criticize him all they want. But there's stuff about him being Hitler and all that stuff. Everyone who said that now that he's facing an emergency, now that he hasn't uh, you know, done anything to expand the powers of government. They really should be banned from TV. They should not be allowed on TV again, just until they apologize or at least take that back. Is there, as a constitutional lawyer, what do you, what are the conflicts that arise when you have a crisis like this, and you want the federal government to be strong and to act and maybe do more than it usually does? Where are the limits, uh, in in your opinion?
1: Right. And so, you know, we always have that natural tension between civil liberties and government intervention on any level. And so, you know, the question always becomes how far can the government on any level go, whether that's state and local or federal. And then you have, of course, the natural uh, consequence of our American system of government. That's actually a good thing. This is a good consequence that we don't have a centralized a government that is national, that uh, dictates everything. We actually have deference to governors and uh, state and local leaders to be able to provide the necessary intervention and help to communities. And so what President Trump did by declaring a national emergency allowed other federal resources like FEMA um, and other assistance and, and basically money and um, and other resources to be able to be given to the states, just like other national uh, emergencies that have been declared throughout our nation's history. Like we remember uh, President Bush and the declaration uh, during Hurricane Katrina. Um, there have been, The National Emergencies Act of 1976 uh, was really what uh, codified that inherent power of the executive to provide those resources to the state. And interestingly, we've been under about at least 40 different uh concurring and ongoing states of national emergency that haven't been rescinded since then so and for the last um, you know couple of decades and so um so this isn't anything unique to this situation it's the right protocol for the federal government but we have to remember that in our constitutional republic we do appreciate and understand the notion of federalism which is that the state government are actually the ones that have more power and they also are closer to their communities. And so, for example, my home state of Colorado, uh, our governor there, um, a lot of people, myself included, didn't vote for him, he's a Democrat, Um, don't really like any of his other policies, but he's actually doing a really good job in looking at the local communities. He shut down um, some of the ski resorts because that was where a lot of the uh, instances and the risk factors uh, were being presented. And so he did that um, based on the need that was specific to the local community there. And so this is a time where, of course, we can criticize government policies. We can do that as both conservatives or, or you know, if you happen to be liberal, yay that you're listening to this program. But uh, we can continue to do that. But we need to be reasonable. We need to be looking at what the government is there for. We can't approach it from a libertarian perspective that assumes the government is inherently evil all the time, and we can't approach it from a completely progressive Democrat approach. That oh, we need to now use this as an opportunity to expand crazy ideas like single payer healthcare or centralize power um, more locally in Washington. We're seeing through this crisis why that doesn't work. You know, and I think, is- and I agree with you, Drew. This is going to be President Trump's finest hour.
0: You know, we do have to say I've been I've been calling out the people who are still using the Hitler terms and the crazy terms and the sociopath terms like David Brooks used yesterday. But we should also mention that Andrew Cuomo, who was complaining uh, yesterday in New York Today, came out and said the federal government has been doing everything it can and has been doing a good job. I was I was really startled by that. Gavin Newsom said when he dealt with uh, the administration, they did everything they said they were going to do. So some of these guys who, are actually, who actually have people uh, who need them to lead and who need them to do the right thing. Some of these governors are stepping up and understanding that the federal government is doing what it can and they're actually praising them uh, in that. I, I know everybody's only thinking yeah, about that's this. that's great. That it really is the right thing to do. And that's the way things should work anyway. Uh, I have to ask you one thing before you go. Um, there's, a, there's a case in California of a guy who went into a Planned Parenthood with a secret camera. And caught them selling baby parts, and they are now prosecuting him as opposed to Planned Parenthood. I got to ask you this question, and I've only got a minute left. But can you tell me, are they, do you think they're going to get away with that? This case is really bugging me.
1: It's absolutely ridiculous, and you know that's the uh, David Delahyden case. David DeLydon, If you're not following this. You you really should be because um, this is everything that is wrong with selective prosecutions, and this is when you start weaponizing. Uh, any sort of government uh, agency, like law enforcement, and you specifically target people and you want to take them down with malicious intent, this case is a perfect example of that. And so um, where it is in in the posture, I don't think they're going to get away with it. They had a really anticlimactic arraignment, which is the first initial proceeding, only two weeks ago, and his attorneys are, are filing motions to dismiss a number of the charges for selective prosecution, and if the judge is being fair and reasonable, I think they will prevail on that, because you can't just uh, maliciously target someone over and above the interests of justice. Let's remember that law enforcement is there to provide the interests of justice. Justice is their only client, and that's not what's happening in this case.
0: Jenna Ellis is always great to talk to you. Don't be a stranger constitutional law attorney, senior legal advisor to the Trump campaign. Her book is the legal basis for a moral constitution, a guide for Christians to understand America's current constitutional crisis. Jenna, thanks a lot. I hope to talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Be safe, Drew.
0: It's nice to hear her voice. All right. A final reflection. Um, You know, I, I never see this This George Soros uh, site, Media Matters, which is just bent on attacking people. And one of their obsessions is attacking the Daily Wire, uh, hoping that they'll scare off our sponsors. They're hoping that, that we'll say something and they can take it out of context or make it sound worse than it is or whatever they do. Uh, and they'll scare off our sponsors. This is what they spend. <laughs> how they waste their sad little lives. I never see them if it weren't for the fact that. That Michael Knowles, Michael Knowles, that dapper, lib-triggering troll, he retweets them all the time to tease them, right? So apparently, they've been attacking me, and I I don't see them. And they put up this thing, uh, you know, about yesterday that I was taught—or was it yesterday? I believe it was yesterday where I was talking about maybe— a, um, a, a good thing about the virus would be women would be allowed would, to choose uh, at home motherhood because they'd be able to work from home more. And they thought that this was a horrifying thing that women should want to be mothers instead of working at jobs, pushing paper. Or, or, so I don't know why that, I, you know, it's like they sit there, they, they have nothing else to do, but they put one out of Knowles making a joke about the Wu flu or the I can't remember something about the Chinese flu. And somebody put in this thing that said, uh, Ben Shapiro gets all the attention, but this guy, Knowles, is much worse than him. Clavin is the most disgusting Daily Wire personality, but Knowles is a close second. And Knowles tweeted, don't get too comfortable up there at number one. (laughs) Clavin, I'm coming for your title. And I told him that's never going to happen because I was disgusting before he was born. But I have to admit, I have to admit, While I couldn't care less what they think of me, I wonder what is going through the mind of anyone who could find me anything but charming. I mean, you could disagree with me. I'm so easygoing about it. I give you my opinions. If you want to live a different life, if you don't want to take care of your children, if you want to go and live, you know, do something else with your life. I don't care. What on earth? What on earth? It's a, I mean, really, I'm, it's it's a, I leave you with this mystery. I leave you with, there are many things we don't know. One thing we don't know is how anybody, anybody could listen to the show with anything but joy and delight. It's really, really difficult for me to understand, but we will be back tomorrow. Maybe, maybe the media banners people will write in on the mailbag and uh, I'll solve their problems. You never know. You never know what might be happening. You don't want to miss it. Be there for the mailbag tomorrow. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You
3: know, the Matt Walsh show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.